0: The year is 2001. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is my marvelous year. Hello, and welcome to My Marvel This Year podcast from Reading Club, where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We've made it to the new millennium. We are in to 2001, and today, I am very excited. We're going to be talking about New X-Men, the relaunched X-Men series written by Grant Morrison. We got Frank Quietly, Art, and other collaborators as well. We're going to talk today about issues 114 to 117, the annual number one and then issue 117 to 120. You can find all the issues that we read and, and know what to read to play along with us in the show notes. And of course, you can go over to year.com or you can go to patreon.com slash where for as little as $1 a month, you can back us, support the show, and get access to the full spreadsheet through the 2000s as we keep reading along. Now today, I'm Dave, founder and editor-in-chief, comicbookherald.com, a new X-Men fan, an X-Men aficionado. I think you could say, I am joined today by an individual who grafted lasers onto her eyes. Unfortunately, there's just a couple laser pointers and she can't really see and she doesn't know how to push them. She's trying to become part of the U-men. Charlotte Fierro. How's it going, Charlotte? How are the laser pointers doing?
1: Hi, uh, it's very annoying. Um, I mean, I had to abandon my cat because it just was not incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The poor cat. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, I, I like playing with with my cat but like when it's all the time? Ugh, come on, man. It's it's too much. <laughs> yeah. And also I forgot to mention but my my cat is actually mutated to to look like a giant human. Um it's like a kind of an inverse Hank McCoy. Right. When say. you say
0: when you say cat, it's actually a Frenchman named Hank, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But you refer to him <laughs> as your cat, make him drink out of a bowl of milk. Um it's all very exciting. Yep. But but a shock Ooh, to guests. Didn't a shock to, to. guests. Yeah. A little kinky.
2: A
1: little. It's like just if you're a kinky. man. I mean, it's, it's X-Men. Come on. It's
2: a man from the Blue Man group that she calls Hank McCoy. And he's on a leash <laughs> in her apartment. We're building the mythology. They have, you
0: unit. know, I wondered when I went and saw Blue Man yesterday. Um, And I, I go, I go monthly. I go and see the Blue Man monthly. Your I just annual, love a good Blue Man, man show. They only had two. They only had two Blue Men, And we were like, where's, where's the third blue? Where's, where's little boy blue? And now we know right? And now we know they've had to perform with two, unfortunately. Um, okay. Well, now we know big secrets revealed here. The other secret that I want to reveal is our other guest today. Um, I have literally been holding a gun to my head, trying to get their voice out of my head for, I think, three or four years now. It's Zach Dean. How's it going? It hasn't worked. Let's be clear. It hasn't worked. Zach, you're still in my head. You're in my head all the time. Yeah. Well, after this And, episode- uh, and I can't shake you.
2: After this episode, when you hear my opinions about this comic, if you don't pull that trigger, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> great. Great intro. Uh, content warning, clearly.
0: Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk New X-Men today. I'm excited to talk about it. Sh- Charlotte, Zach, have both of you read these comics before? Yes or no?
2: Nope. Nope. And this is, this is like... Double gopes. I've had the Omnibus for maybe three years sitting on my shelf, and... The club, people in the club have been like, you gotta just pick it up and read it. You just gotta, you gotta pick it up and read it. It's really short. You gotta read uh-huh, the whole thing. Uh-huh. And I've been resisting. <laughs> it's not that short. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what, 30 issues? 35? The entire run? That's like right. That. You're a professional. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I mean, it, you know, it's readable in a weekend or something if you commit. Anyway, I, I have resisted. I wanted to read it in context of the club. And uh, yeah, this is my first time reading it. And I think my anticipation is very similar to what I had for Walt Simonson's Thor. Do you remember how before we read that, I was just like week after week like, "Oh yeah, Simonson's Thor, it's coming up. Here it comes.
0: I have no memory yeah. of those conversations, oddly enough. Um, I, I don't... Are you, Was I hosting during that time period? I think it, I think it might have been... Maybe I transitioned. It's, it's hard to say who was hosting alongside you during that time. Okay, well, I'm super excited to talk to both of you then. More than usual, even if if it's new to both of you, <laughs> yeah, um, because that's pretty fascinating. So, before, all right, let's before we jump in, let's give a little, in, give a though, little context. Wait, yeah, no, yeah. no,
2: no, no. Before, yeah, a little context, which is that uh, X Men starts way back in 1975 with Chris Claremont, and that's what I've been reading lately. Uh, can I, I talk mean, about shots about? fired at Kirby and Lee. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. No, I, I didn't. Um, just <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll talk about this more in a variant. I've been rereading the Claremont run. Uh, From the Mm -hmm. beginning, doing the whole thing Mm -hmm. that Dave has always said, you got to just read the whole thing. The M.M.Y. method doesn't really suit this kind of comic here to say he's right this whole time. I'm considerably less, considerably less uh, grouchy about some of the like formalist styles of those comics reading it like at my own pace and decompressed. And uh, and I've been reading the classic X-Men stuff, which, you know, adds new stuff in. uh, The literal title
0: classic X-Men.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. one where <clears throat> Claremont like went back and like modified panels. Have you read those, Dave? Like, have you read like through that run of the classic X-Men stuff or just stuff? I've read know? all the
0: I mean, I read all the backups. Right. So all the news stories that he and I think usually the artist John Bolton. This mm. was be- this was before Bolton was like big like Big Hawk. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah, during, we during oh, his God, artist we made phase those jokes
2: back in the seventies, yeah, uh, and they're back again, baby. <laughs> it's also yeah, like uh, a lot of writes... the classic
0: X Men stuff is really fun to, especially if you're doing the Claremont binge for the first time. It's actually really interesting to me. I kind
2: of think it's weird. I don't well, one, Nisenti does a bunch of those backups as well. At some point, Claremont backs off. Oh, cool. Nisenti yeah, Nisenti does some, um, but then two, I don't know if it actually works. It, I think it kind of works better as your second time around because the stuff he adds in, it's like. X-Men number... Whatever his first issue is, when Moira gets called yeah. from Scotland, there's, like, a scene there he inserts in the middle of the comic of Moira hanging out with Rain Sinclair in Scotland, which is, like, she's not going to show up in comics for nine more years, right? Like, a character we wouldn't have and, met yet, yeah. And then he he sneaks Apocalypse in, like, sometime around the, like, Banshee in Ireland arc. Like, uh, yeah. like he does all this he retroactively fixes mistakes that he made within the comics. So he'll have stuff like nightcrawler bursting into the no rad mountain base during that first arc of theirs. He had that happen. And then people wrote in letters and like, how did nightcrawler go in there without, you know, uh, bamfing into the rock and so he like includes a fix for that being like nightcrawler saying it out loud and banshee being like well i'll use my sonar to map it out for you like it's really it's a really interesting exercise in comics that i've never seen where a creator gets to go back and retroactively like fix their own continuity mistakes and like in in it's so such a claremont thing he gets to flesh out and put more little teasers in for stuff that won't happen for years it's uh it's really fun so um Kind of turning into a bigger f- fan of it than I was initially, and I, I, I. The thing that I'm really worried about, I, I'm, I'm almost done talking about it, but the thing I'm really worried about is that I'm going to get to Mutant Massacre and be like, "Damn, this is actually okay." Because <laughs> like... <laughs> not everything I've if come that, around on. If enough. that
0: happens, you're going to have to go back and put an addendum on that episode, and preface. I, I demand <sighs> I an will. apology. I mean, a one-minute apology, you- but only if it only if that authentically happens. All right, I have two quick thoughts on this. One, I super appreciate you saying I was right and just you know just just being open and honest and being willing to admit that it takes a big man to do that, and I appreciate that. Number two, <laughs> I'm furious at you for waiting until 2001, Grant Morrison, X Men to do the Claremont binge. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely insane timing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It actually is this, like, I read a few issues of this a few weeks ago, and I was like, man, X-Men are kind of, maybe, maybe X-Men are pretty cool after all. Maybe I yeah. should uh, use this. It, I'll, I'll say, it hasn't turned me around, the, the things it's turned me around biggest on, Dave Cockrum, I've come to be like, all right, he's great. And before, I didn't yeah. really think he was great, but he's mm-hmm. great. And um, the, it, and then it's made some of the arcs that I really You're drinking liked.
0: the cock rum and Coke now,
2: right? i've spent i've spent a lot of time cock ruminating on this and (laughs) that's a charlotte joke i think sorry charlotte i stole it um yeah but no i don't think it is i think it's your joke that i stole for my for the email i sent Uh, maybe (laughs) i don't remember who yeah it was me let's let's just say it was me yep anyway that and then like not every arc i've totally been like oh no this was great like the encron crystal stuff is still kind of (laughs) dumb i still stand by that arcades like a little dumb I still, I just like it more this time. Like reading it at my own pace, reading it slower. It really does help. Like the MMY method are you of in, it, <laughs> binging it just... You please criticize you the, the club more. <laughs> Go ahead, Charles. No, no, you know <laughs> what I mean, though. Like, you know, we specifically have to stick to this like really tight schedule. Like if you're reading stuff and it feels, you know, overwhelming or overbearing when you're reading along with the club, you can take it at your own pace and jump around. But um, yeah, the, the way we have to do it. Okay. Yeah. That's
1: are you are you including the like later Clement era non Clement books in your in your in your we'll see. I would love it if the same as X Factor became your favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I don't know if I'll get into like the Excalibur and X Factor stuff. We'll see. Um, okay. definitely like new movies. Because okay. I always like them to begin with. Anyway, so new X So
0: here's here's the relevance. The yeah. relevance with all of what you're saying here. Yeah. Graham Morrison iconic comics creator they are every time they come up we probably say this but like they are in the conversation for best modern comics writer you know i think for a lot of folks alan moore graham morrison are probably the two most popular picks yeah sure at this point you know you can throw in your neil Gaimans or Mm -mm. or whomever but like most integrated specifically just with comics obviously morrison way way out there um (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Post 85 Burn, really, yeah. really. Oh, wait, 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 wait.
2: You. This is something. I, I'm sorry. Oh I'm my so sorry. I was no. joking. No, no. Why did you bring up the... No, I'm just. <laughs> no, no. After Dark Phoenix <laughs> Saga, when John Byrne leaves the title, I am planning on stopping my Claremont run. And shifting over to John Byrne's, like, alternate universe fan fiction comics. And I will report back on that. You're
1: canceled. A later date. It's done.
2: Okay. (laughs) It's over. Please, go on. I'm do- I'm done talking about seventies comics. <laughs>
0: okay, good. I just finished up setting I up believe you. I just finished up setting up the, the rope and the chair here in my office.
2: <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna hang himself and then have the gun handy at the same moment just in case. <laughs>
0: fortunately, you're done. Oh boy. Uh, okay. So Morrison, iconic comics creator. I think what is especially fascinating is we talk about you know, we talked about a little bit of their work with Marvel Boy, which we read previously. X Men is the one franchise for Marvel. That they come in and do an extended run on, you know. So it has—it's an anomaly because it's the only thing, really, that Morrison comes in, puts their stamp on on a known iconic property, right? Like Marvel Boy is a new thing, and there's some wild new ideas, and it's going to have a bit of a legacy in the Marvel Universe. But X Men is a known thing. um So what I would say is, we'll talk about this a little bit as we go. But, like, I would encourage folks, if you're, if you're interested in this era of X-Men comics, to read, just search for a Grant Morrison X-Men manifesto. It's really fascinating. It's this detailed, basically, pitch document of Morrison's view coming into 2001 of, like, hey, the X-Men are busted. They aren't cool anymore. These comics kind of stink. Here's how to fix them. Okay? And that's what Morrison sets out to do. And we'll talk about the specifics of that, of course. But one of the big things that does connect to what... Zach was talking about there, is he's like, hey, I've gone back and looked at this stuff with all the available trades. Claremont and Byrne rule. <laughs> Those comics are great. We need to get back to that. We need to get back to not a back to basics so much as we need to capture that spirit of anything goes in the X-Men or the F and coolest that they managed to capture. And that becomes a big part of Kanye's kind of manifesto. And I think what is fascinating, and it's something that is very true of Morrison, basically on like any franchise thing he takes over, or they take over, pardon me, they use they, them pronouns. I'm going to do my, my best to keep getting that right and correct myself if I get it wrong. Apologies. Um, Superman, Batman, Justice League, Doom Patrol, Animal Man. All of these Green are in the bag Lantern. or about...
2: come come on. Santa coming later.
0: Claus. Coming later. I'm talking about stuff that is that is impending or has already happened. Yes, yeah, Santa Claus, right? Like, nobody, I don't think nobody has ever revitalized and revamped and put
2: their stamp on franchises quite like Morrison. Mm, and that's really interesting like thinking about who has like sh- i mean you could make the argument about like claremont with x-men but like if you're talking about but that's with- one franchise right yeah, yeah 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 but like claremont doesn't do yeah. it anywhere else well i
1: mean Kevin gillen um i'm i'm kind of half joking Uh um, parody of parody of yourself charlotte <laughs> i know i know I, yeah, no, that
2: I mean, Alan Moore. I mean to, Hickman, to, in a way, degree, I Hickman, guess. but like, you're. I think you're right. Like Morrison, just for sheer volume of like, how many uh, like properties they've stuck their toes into, and yeah. like how many they've transformed. Like, is it? It's weirdly like they don't seem interested necessarily. Like, they don't seem like continuity hawks, <laughs> kind of, or ha- continuity hawk. Like, no,
0: it, in the manifesto, Morrison specifically says. I haven't read all the like he's like we're gonna play or they they're like we're gonna play with um what is he I forget what he calls it, but it's like basically loose continuity. Like the continuity yeah. that matters. I haven't read all these comics and I
2: don't care to. Like especially <laughs> like, the nineties stuff. It's, they it's were a really like, funny I line. Read, I haven't been reading the last ten years, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, right. It's like that they, they don't feel the need to and they're right. Yeah,
1: it's very much a sandbox, not like it, not like a canonical Bible to to stick So it to. feels
2: really yeah. different from like Busiac, who is like you know in love with all this old stuff and it's like devoted to being like here are the things i love and let me just you know let me add my mark to it like they they don't like it seems like when we read marvel boy you know something we were feeling is like surprise like i felt surprised that this character has any legacy because it feels so much like it had no mind towards building for the future it just was kind of like here's what i'm doing now I'm making a statement, and I'm doing a story now. I'm not thinking about, you know, the 10-year plan for this character. And, like, X-Men kind of feels like that a little bit. It doesn't feel like it's necessarily trying to, like, set up Marvel for a while. Like, some of the choices feel really, um, like, almost impulsive. But then, like, I look at it, and I'm like, well, that's where this comes from? And that's where this comes from? And that's where this comes Like, there's so many things that people take here and then run with later. It's uh, It's very interesting to, like, break that down... Uh, in, in like how that legacy works and like batman's the same way tons of stuff that they did on batman then goes on to have a huge legacy uh, i don't know about other stuff i mean I it's one of those there. things where when ones?
0: you are when when a creator comes in and does a run that's going to be you know minimum the top three that come to mind for folks with that character it will eventually be a massive influence on creators that follow and have a legacy like, that's just how this stuff goes, you know, like when your profile is that size. Um, but I, th- I do think X-Men specifically, it, Morrison is deliberately additive in new X-Men. That's something you talk they talk about in the manifesto in terms of, like, we need to create new mutants. We need to create new characters that are... And, and I think one huge thing that happens here is, like, mutants can be weird and strange-looking. And bringing more of sort of the, the Morlock-type stuff to the surface... And and defining it as mutant culture, it's all here. It's all on these pages. So, okay, let's. That's that's the backdrop for like, okay, this is a revamp. Here's what's important. Then Morrison and Frank Quitely, who have worked together at this point, on Flex Mentallo, which is kind of a Doom Patrol spinoff, super fascinating four issue mini in the mid '90s. Um, they're gonna do We Three, but I don't think that's come out yet. Uh, and they have a an All Star Superman, which also hasn't come out yet they they drop three issues the ease for extinction arc issue 114 to 116 hilariously not renumbered with an issue number 1 <laughs> for all of yeah. for all of marvel's absolute um you know just just devotion to relaunching number one issues in the early 2000s they hadn't actually cracked that but but it <laughs> is segregated code.
2: off onto its own title like these 40 its own issues title. or whatever are their own title in like Marvel Unlimited, they're not like just the con- con- the continuation of Uncanny X. men So it's right?
0: a, it's weird. But it, but numbering wise, it is right. Yes, so like right. Yeah, you can yeah. go and read X Men number one hundred and thirteen, the end of the, oh what is it? It's like a it's a big Magneto X Men throwdown. And it's I I went and read it before this just to kind of remind myself like it's a great reminder to be like man these comics are so stuck in the same patterns, <laughs> and no one has done no one has had a new X Men idea since Onslaught, which is kind of a merger of old ideas anyway, you know? And that's, I mean, that's what we've been talking about, Charlotte, as we talk about these crossovers, we've been like, yeah, X-Men comics are stuck. (laughs) Like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait until someone does something new and Morrison and quietly come in and do it. So, okay, Charlotte, this was your first time reading it. Um, What did you think of East for Extinction? How did it hit you?
1: I think like the best thing it does, and especially in comparison to what, x-men comics have been for the past seven to ten years at this point um is like the the main problem at least to me with those comics reading them was like how much background noise there was like how little of an actual focus on like a good idea there is or like a clear central storyline because like you have way too many books, way too many storylines at once, way too many characters. Like, you have two different main X-Men teams with each, like, what, seven characters each? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, there's too many people on the actual X-Men team. And I kind of love that here, like, it's five X-Men plus Professor Xavier. And, like, all of them have very clear, very fun and very interesting characterizations. All of the, like, the discussions between them have fun, st- fun stuff going on both in like how it characterizes, I ca- characterizes them without repeating stuff that we've already seen like a hundred times. Uh, the main thing I think about when I think about th- that is like Rogue and Gambit. I feel like Rogue and Gambit have had the same discussion about their relationship at least a hundred times in the span of uh, of 90s uh, X-Men comics. Mm-hmm. And like every discussion between like Beast and Jean or, or Scott and Emma or Scott and Jean feel like... Feel like there's a purpose to it. There's something... Like, I want to actually read what they're saying in a way that I don't with 90s X-Men comics. And my brain usually, like, just kind of pans over and is very unfocused on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, it, it, it's really helped by... Especially in the first three issues by Quietly's Art, who, which is, like, very clean and very very beautiful and very easy to read and to, to go through. And, like, in the way the, the panels are... Uh, uh, are made one after the other. There's, there's a lot of like uh, page wide panels, like a page divided in four panels are like four bands one above the other and like it's, it's, a, it's a very good way of uh, of having a, a very easy reading experience and very natural. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it, the, Even just on a structural formal way, they want they make me want to keep reading them in a way 90s X-Men comics really don't like their they, I guess, the main thing would be '90s comics were messy in a way that this is like clean and fresh, and is yeah, it's so clean. Makes it you feels, want to keep reading them. It
2: feels so clean. It feels so tightly controlled. Yeah, like and and decompressed for, not necessarily for like modern comics. Like although more decompressed, not not even decompressed, just less cluttered, less like busy, um, than a lot of the comics we've been reading. But especially for X-Men. Like, X-Men has never been a comic that's, like, been a, quote, like, smooth reading experience, right? They're, like, I think maybe because of the legacy of Claremont, uh, you know, who I've really come to appreciate in these past few weeks. Um, An inherent wordiness in the yeah, legend. right. And, and just, like, bang for your buck when it comes to, like, as much character and character beats as you can fit in. But that does right. kind of sometimes manifest as, like just more more words but not more actual character being served
1: up yeah with, it kind of becomes a this parody does, of that this where, where more you with lose what yeah. makes it what makes it interesting or worthy of uh, worthy <laughs> worth reading i guess yeah 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 agreed
0: yeah definitely i mean i think morrison and quietly together are one of the iconic collaborations in yeah. comics you know like i mentioned they go on to do this incredible work they, they also in um multiversity packs Pax americana which is one of the most interesting watchman riffs of all time um they do amazing work together and new x-men is absolutely no exception i think one of the the like one of the problems with morrison and quietly on the ease for extinction arc the first three issues is they're so good together that then when the series goes on to reveal that frank quietly doesn't pencil every issue mm-hmm. and actually not that many of them it's like really disappointing oh, <laughs> like yeah. you want it to you, you want to just have that easy you know, totally like unrealistic expectation of like, yes, the Morrison quietly run where they did fifty four issues together or whatever. Um, it's nothing like that. <laughs> like, like quietly jumps in for the important stuff, and that's, it works, and it makes it more important, and and has a, a meteor feel to it. I mean, I, I'm agreeing fully with everything you're saying. The lineup of Professor X, Cyclops, Jean, Beast, Wolverine, and then Emma Frost as the surprising addition um, was going to be Storm but I guess storm was was accounted for.
1: Oh, I read it was going to be Colossus actually. And that that's why he gave her they gave her the the diamond skin for that, to that to fulfill that placement. Oh, okay.
0: Team? Okay. I have I've heard both, I think. Um, okay. Cuz Colossus just died uh in yeah. in Dream's End. Uh FYI. So presumably that's why Morrison couldn't use Colossus. Um but yeah, like it's a it's a very smart selection um of, of really condensing the team down. And I think one thing that I, I – so I was thinking a lot about – I was reading Solo Morrison stuff, um, or creator Around rather, and I was trying to get stuff that's like more around this, era, this time period, but that's a little difficult, so I was kind of just bouncing around the 2000s. And stuff like uh, obviously The Filth I read, which comes out kind of at the back end of this. I read that a little while ago. Um, Joe the Barbarian is 2010. Nameless. I just read a little bit of Sea Guy comes out in 2004. Morrison's creator-owned stuff can can be just imagination unleashed in ways that is sometimes thrilling but often a burden. Uh-huh, like it, yeah. it's often I I a challenge like. without a reward. You know, it, it feels mm-hmm. that way to me sometimes, right? It's self-indulgent um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. and, and the way I always have put it, too, is, like, it asks you to meet it 90% of the way, you know, instead of, like, coming to you a little bit. The thing about Morrison on established franchises is there's just innate grounding. There's just an innate base of, I know who Wolverine is. I know the dynamics between Beast and Jean. They've been together since the original X-Men. And Morrison can get, like, like Morrison's weirdness and and just, like impossibly inventive imagination grounded in the framework of something that already has some established history it kind of leads to magic like like way more often than not and I think that's that's why when I think of the stuff I like with Grant Morrison it's so rarely the creator owned stuff which I think is really weird you know like I don't like when I think of Alan Moore I don't think like oh yeah I don't like their creator owned stuff you know like yeah. no, like, yeah. they do amazing yeah. work that's why they're that's why people think of them as being so
1: great uh I want to meet the person whose favorite Alan Moore work is Captain Britain <laughs> right that's right very exactly to me
0: <laughs> yeah uh but with Morrison I think even I'm sure within the, the and the Morrison heads are fierce right so I'm careful to say anything too inflammatory yeah. here I'm more scared of the Morrison heads than probably anyone in comics <laughs> let me be <laughs> they're intimidating 100% clear people, yeah absolutely um but that's why like so many folks are like you know, yeah, their Batman run is my favorite thing. Or, yeah, All-Star Superman is my favorite thing. Or Doom Patrol, which I have ranked the highest of any of these things. Um, and it's not
2: Sea Guy. <laughs> <laughs> which is... It uh, might, was not worth reading, frankly. I mean, it, is it, like, I think you're totally right about, like, they... It's somewhat, like, um, like they're somewhat pulled down... Like, like, I wonder how much they view it as a compromise of having to work within the framework of a big two superhero work right like if they have to compromise their vision a little bit like if they're told editorially like yeah you can't make wolverine a sentient uh vegetable right or whatever they'd want to do um but like that limitation of having to work within the framework i think does pull them down to earth that little bit that helps it feel My issue with some Morse and stuff is that it's so idea-heavy that it doesn't feel... We talked about this with Marble Boy. It often doesn't feel like there's actual, like, a story there. It's just, like, interesting combinations of uh, adjectives and nouns. (laughs) So, like... (laughs) Right, right. Like they say here uh, in the the annual, one of the um, soldiers um, guarding Zorn mentions uh, it smells... it smells like flesh and rotting metal in here Mm -hmm. and like that is the kind of detail that like is intriguing and is just kind of interesting wordplay sprinkled atop a story that you can follow and you know where it's going and you know and it's a character with a black hole in their head but then that also has stakes where that matters and that's going to become like a member of the team and like um you know, it isn't. That's not the whole thing, where it's just like that nonstop, like uh, strange sci-fi concepts that you'd never really fully explore. So I think, like, it, I think you might be onto something. That like, when they're maybe somewhat held back by the shackles of this stuff. I, although I haven't read that much creator-owned stuff. Just I think I read a little bit of the filth a while ago, uh, and it didn't. It didn't grab me. It won't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think uh, the one, the one big creator-owned one that I definitely. Do not have the appreciation for because i haven't done a reading guide like a reading companion with it is the invisibles that's so I the one do, i want to check be out clear yeah. that like i've i started it and I, I haven't come back i at some point i should do that um okay so morrison's good <laughs> obviously new x-men is super fast oh i'm not reading. ready to go about...
2: there yet dave remember what i said at the okay okay of all right we still got some time can i air my grievances right now i'm just gonna get them out of the way it's no no one, no please don't because i want it, we
0: haven't even mentioned cassandra nova so let's let's mention cassandra nova <laughs> well right, unless your s- detail is Beast redesign is it is it redesign related because we talked it's about even kind of simpler concepts. than that Damn. okay hit me
2: why is this comic called new x-men where all these x-men <laughs> have been around for so long Okay, stupid. Let's move on. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> um, you know what though? Complaint. You know what though? It does go on to introduce a lot of new Hexmen. I know. I've, uh, I've as seen so as far, the series yeah. progresses, right? We get Beak. We get Angel. That's actually one thing I like about it is introducing messy who's,
2: Hexmen. Who's the messy, uh, uh, the one with the like the organs visible? Glob Herman. Is this the first time we've seen Glob? I think we see Glob yep. walking yeah. around outside. Yeah, it is. There, oh, Charlotte's, Charlotte's exciting. very excited. There's also. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is coming around the same time, Ecstatics, and uh, somebody in Genosha, one of the teenagers, has a dupe t-shirt on. Did you see that?
0: Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Give me that we crossover. we haven't seen dupe
2: yet in the club, at least.
0: Okay, so narratively, mm-hmm. E.S. for Extinction is the debut of Cassandra Nova. I guess technically we don't get as far as who she is yet,
2: but she looks a lot like Professor X. No, they, they say uh, she's like a genetic twin or something. I don't know if we... If that's all you mean. Oh, okay. They, they say we just haven't gotten the how yet.
0: DNA, at least. We just have... Because the how yes. comes in the iconic okay. silent New X-Men number 121. But we yes. know... Okay. So the evil twin of Professor X is here. It's Cassandra Nova. Cassandra Nova's evil scheme is to kill as many mutants as possible. And she does this by manipulating the Trask bloodline. Bolivar Trask, creator of the Sentinels, uh, finds a a distant relative, a dentist, who has nothing to do with Sentinels but has Trask DNA. And is able to use them to sort of create this weaponized, um, like, like miniature sentinel bombardment attack that she assaults Genosha with. Genosha is, at this point in time, the Magneto, <laughs> I don't know why I said it so
2: Matt Berry-esque, <laughs> the Magneto of New York City. Um, <laughs> can, can I ask about Genosha? Um, yeah. What, I know about Genosha just through, like, osmosis of reading some later X-Men comics. I was kind of expecting at some point we'd cover (laughs) Genosha. Did I miss this during episodes that I I wasn't on? Like, was that on the last Apocalypse thing? I think so, yeah. This, this to me... I I
1: can't remember which one exactly, but in one of the last two or three uh, X-Men episodes we did... (laughs) I uh, haven't been on two. I wasn't on the
0: one with... uh, You missed the crossover where Charlotte and I covered Magneto becoming giving being given the reins to genosha yeah mm-hmm. i haven't seen genosha
2: okay. at all so yeah the the apocalypse the yes yes you have, yes, you have. Apoc- we read in the early 19th,
0: we read yeah. the claremont debut we read extinction agenda what, what are we talking and, about um, and um even, the, even the before. claremont and jim lee uh x-men is set in part in genosha
2: uh, wait isn't is is that the island that was like anti-mutant though yep. yes oh okay so how did it so I just missed it turning into like the haven. For me. <laughs> we will do, we will absolutely not be explaining to you the how of it. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to know when it was like, did we, was it, did the club cover recently? was on this? Recently, okay. two
0: okay. years ago, Magneto has given the reins to it's fine. I, like, I picked it up from like nationally recognized it, status as the, I don't know what you'd call him. I mean, the dictator of Genosha, but probably okay. he gives himself a cooler title. What do you think G- Magneto called himself? It wasn't king. What was he? Uh, Sovereign Ruler? I don't What What title? Magneto. Pretty sure they say just the Magneto of Genosha. They say President. (laughs) Yeah. President Magneto. Yeah, I guess that could work. Magneto Magneto. But yeah, no, he's the leader of Genosha, but not for long because Cassandra Nova kills 16 million mutants on Genosha. Um, Nearly everyone on the island seems to die uh, with the exception of Emma Frost who her secondary mutation here is revealed that she can get diamond hard skin and she actually that happens, and she survives the Sentinel assault. But it happens while she's in class. She's she's you know kind of this is the the reformation of Emma Frost in some ways, you know. And she's because, she's teaching a class, and that's it's really I think defines now Emma. This run probably more than any other character, I guess I would say, does does more work for Emma Frost than anyone um, in terms of. Who this character is and who who people think about yeah but like it really leans into the her. fact that she led a school <laughs> you know and had hellions I mean, and less the evil and i'd be interested to,
1: because i didn't keep going in generation x after we read the first three issues yes but i'd be interested in like how much development she got there and how much like morrison is picking up on that or like just saying no i'm gonna do the same thing but my way i guess generation x probably uh, doesn't like,
0: get enough credit like morrison probably gets too much yeah. credit for doing it wholesale with Emma, whereas Generation X does you're right, like you're fully correct that um Lobdale and Bachalo with, with Emma, they're like, Yeah, she's a you know, she runs the school with Banshee, right? And that has some interesting development as well. So yes, that is well worth calling out. Um, but that's that's the the narrative arc in a nutshell. And I think one important thing with Cassandra note like what she's doing here, so she kills all these mutants and it's mass devastation. And that's definitely of a piece with early two thousands Marvel comics, right? Ultimates the authority, kind of just the movement of of comics at this point in time, especially once we get post-9-11, of course, right? And reactions to mass tragedy and, and mass casualties. Um this is a few months ahead of that for whatever relevance that has. Um, there's a thing happening here that Morrison is leaning into, which is mutants are becoming the dominant species on the planet. They are actually going to outnumber humans. And it's kind of a thing that hasn't like we always we have this back and forth throughout the entire nineties of like human versus mutant strife, right? And of course all this back and forth about why they're feared and hated and, and it doesn't really go anywhere um, but Morrison's the first one to really look at it and be like we need to lean into the evolution of this and and two species and their combativeness and the fact that like mutant growth is accelerating like like mutant growth is they're in position to be winning essentially Um, but for something like the devastation of Genosha and even with that they have opportunities so it is It's one of those things where it's like it's kind of too big to get your head around, but it also does like apparently kills Magneto and uh, and wipes out you know sixteen million mutants, and then that's the thing that really establishes Nova as this immense threat and and a quite scary villain I think on a personal level as this series progresses. What did both of you think of of Cassandra Nova here?
1: I love how different she is from like usual big X Men big bads because like. I feel like especially Magneto and Apocalypse both have, like, a nobility to them in a way that Cassandra doesn't have. She's just, like, she's just an a-hole, and she she loves every second of it. Like, yeah. she loves th- killing mutants. Like, that's her deal, and she she's here to have fun with it. I can love that, like, how fun she is with that. And, yeah, she... But how scary at the same time, like, she... Feels like Magneto. Even Apocalypse, in some ways, can be reasoned with. Like you can have a discussion with Apocalypse in a way that you can't with Cassandra. Um, and also, like it's what it, well we had seven issues, and she's maybe in three or four of them. Uh, so we don't know everything about her right now. But yeah, she's she's inc- she's incredibly fun. I really also love the the design of the new the new Sentinels that she uses. Like sh- they're less human-like and they're more. Weird snake bugs uh, yeah. that are like really creepy. Yeah. I um, Yeah. I mean, I I really love her. I don't know. What do you think, Zach?
2: Yeah. No. I I agree. Like, she's she's a fun change of pace uh, in that. And I think the like yeah. the pure evil villain who just likes being evil can be tough. But Morrison really characterizes her well. Like, she has a really distinct voice. She kind of has this like well spoken and uh like very not reasoned but she has her reasons for wanting to do this that she explains to trask like we get a lot of her explaining this and i don't think it would work as well like this genocide wouldn't work functionally if we didn't see all that build up to it because it's a really Mm -hmm. big swing (laughs) right that's what i mean about like this this could be one of those things that like morrison kind of like glibly does like tries to throw big status quo changes it's really big, right? This this seems sizable. 20 years later, when I'm reading, you know, uh, the the modern era of X-Men, like, this is still a very regularly cited event. Um, but I think it works because we have, you know, she, she spells it all out. And it, it's kind of wild for a brand new villain to come in and then two issues in commit, like, the biggest crime against mutants we've ever seen, like, by, mm-hmm. you know, exponentially um yeah but yeah she's really creepy she's really uh she's she's sinister she's intriguing right you like you want to know more about her like when she gets shot at the end of uh the the first three issues i'm like disappointed because i want to know more about her but then we find out she's not really gone um yeah 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 she's got that that i don't know what she's doing with the uh the hand thing when she disperses trask when she doesn't need him anymore she pushes her hand like through his neck into his face, and it's coming out his eyes and nose and mouth—some really disgusting stuff that uh, I'd love to see. I'd love to see on the big screen someday. Uh, That's one I
0: just, thing I, I really love about New X Men in general is it's not afraid to be gross. Yeah. Um. You know, it's yeah. it's definitely way more willing, and I think some of this is like editorially, you know, just with with Marvel in the Joe Quesada and Bill James era stuff that they're willing to try um but like i said earlier like mutants can look weird and kind of yucky <laughs> i mean the first <laughs> you know? new one we meet is
2: uh, his name is ugly john uh ugly and, john with three he's, faces he's who's sad, not right? who's like, not
0: even as ugly as beak frankly who looks like a sick like like a baby little, bird, like bird yeah you know? like an unfeathered um, baby bird yeah but if you do that character in the 90s they're like a cool blue jay <laughs> you know and <laughs> well, and here cool. it's like a gross baby bird um I think the Cassandra Nova um, like torturous control of mutant psyches, like the way she manipulates beast into devolving him into a thoughtless cat, essentially. like it's haunting stuff. like it's like those moments have sat with me. Um, I don't I haven't forgotten them, I think, uh, in the way that she can kind of twist characters and kind of turn them inside out, you know. Um, so yeah, I think like a great, a great new introduction and then, you know, to both of your points, like within three issues, it moves incredibly fast. Cassandra wins. Like she does exactly like X-Men villains don't usually get to destroy boatloads of population, you know, or, or do it and have it not be walked back Mm -hmm. by some, by some, you know, saving magical MacGuffin. Um, this never gets walked back ever, ever, ever. (laughs) <laughs> it happens, and it's real, and it's a thing and that's And she gonna...
1: does it before we even know why she's doing it. It's like before we even know who she is, really. Yeah. Which is very really interesting. Yeah, by yeah, the time absolutely.
2: Cyclops and Wolverine get to her, she's done, right? She's already carried out the plan, and it doesn't matter. They can't stop her. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's great. I mean, it's it's super memorable. Um, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, Art, right, if you're going to come in and revamp a franchise, come in hot, throw the gauntlet down, right? Go for it. Yeah, and and Morrison so, and company are clearly, clearly not devoid of ideas, you know, which is super exciting when you're starting a run like this. Um,
1: all right, what else? What yeah. else to out to both of you? So I think what's really interesting is that Cassandra Nova and like that's, let's say, immediate storyline like for for the first uh, first few issues is like a very good way of starting that run, but it's not like it's not the big thing that like makes this the beginning of a new era, really. Yeah, because it's just like I don't think Cassandra Nova has been like the main center of x-men since like she's come up again but she she's not that but i think what really makes this the an, an, a real revolution for for x-men comics is like is the school stuff both two things the school stuff and the fact that like we actually have a lot of new mutants across the world and we're gonna see a lot of them because from since the beginning of of uh, of x-men like we know there are other mutants but we're really only worried about like the five to 20 that we that are named that, that we know about and uh, and even when the the xavier institute is an actual school it's a school with at most 10 students it's yeah. more class than a school and here both with the the emergence of like a lot of new mutants and a lot of weirder new mutants and the reopening of the xavier institute as like a school with I know we, we don't have like exact numbers but at, we see shots of the of the mansion and there's like hundreds of students there um it's like it's the first time we've seen that in x-men comics and something i didn't realize it it comes after the x-men movie like the x-men movie did that first hmm. before the the comics which is really interesting and i did i hadn't realized that um but yeah like that's and that's what x-men is gonna be like ever since until like maybe until 2019 Um, is like at the center of it there is a school and there is like tens and almost hundreds of young mutants being taught and like the the non-x-men mutants or uh, non-x-factor x-force etc mutants like have an actual importance and presence and like they're not just in the background or theoretically there which is which is really interesting and like it's less it's less the focused. Uh, it's less the focus of these first issues. B- yeah, we haven't these really first seen issues, but
2: like Beak, right?
1: Yeah, we see Beak, we see Angel, but like just seeing the school, like I, I found that really, really interesting, and like yeah. I guess as much of a, a revolution for X Men than uh, than the Cassandra Nova stuff.
0: Yeah, which is funny. I mean, when you say it, it's like, wait, has this not been like a fully functioning? Well, it's that school? like Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. Like
2: I love Spider-Man. Like it's really cool having like a high school kid. Uh, superhero, and then you're like, oh, it's yeah. six, six issues <laughs> of yeah. the original yeah. run before he graduates high school. Well, um, well, and it's super
0: funny to look back at, like, you know,
2: Professor X goes
0: to Kitty's parents, you know, in the Claremont Burns, like, hey, come to our school. <laughs> They're like, sure, sounds great. How many kids are in the school? It's just her. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. just her. There's no one else. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's weird. Um, Yeah, no, building it out as an actual school, like you said, the X-Men movie definitely taps into that. I mean, I don't, I can't remember if we mentioned this up front or not, but, like, the X-Men movie influence is something that that Morrison and and Quietly a bit in the designs are reacting to as well. Um, they're not copying it, which is important, you know, but they are recognizing that like, oh, mutants are cool now, or, or we have a chance to make mutants cool again. They're definitely popular because they have all this attention on them, um, but they have some ideas as far as like, all right, we don't have to copy the suits exactly, but they do yeah. want to get away from the super heroic you know, kind of version of the costumes. You know, it, Morrison has the a pajama quote here. spandex look. Yeah, yeah. He says X Men is a, or they say X Men is a soap opera about super people in the same way that Dallas was a soap about oil people. The oil only provided window dressing and an excuse to look great. So Morrison's <laughs> thinking there is kind of like they shouldn't function like a typical superhero team, right? This is a book about mutants and mutant culture and all over the world, right? And one way you do that is you have an actual school. The other thing important that happens here that I think puts the school in the crosshairs a lot, is you have protesters constantly outside the school. And one of the big reasons you have that, increasingly so, is when Cassandra Nova takes over Professor X's body, she manipulates it into going on air and revealing that Charles Xavier is a mutant. And that actually kind of winds up working in Professor X's favor, but it's not a thing he chose to do. Like, that was a secret he was still maintaining, and Cassandra Nova puts it out in the open, and then that brings added heat to the mansion. Because now this is Professor X's school for gifted youngsters, and everybody knows that means mutant. So yeah. that is public. That is out there. And that's a shift. Um, it's kind of like, you know, we've been saying, like, all right, when is Iron Man's Secret Identity going to be out there? <laughs> like, when is that thing finally going to happen? Uh, it's a big thing for Marvel still, right, in the early 2000s to be yeah. like, okay, the world knows, too. Um, and they get to react to
2: it. It almost so was it, surprising to adds me. That's a lot. When we read that, I was like, oh, like, the world doesn't know? It's, it's yeah. like, like... I, 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 think i didn't even have it in mind that people didn't know that professor x was a mutant like the idea that right. he's just a guy who goes out and advocates for mutants and that's like his public persona is something i had i had kind of forgotten about i i have a question about some stuff in here if it sticks if we come back to it there's two things um cassandra nova has like a new third species does that get into Do we get into that more
0: it comes up again
2: okay and then uh humanity having a gene that's about to turn off (laughs) like their life and they're going to become extinct within three to four generations is that something that comes Mm. up again the
0: general idea of mutants overrunning humanity yeah to the point of them going extinct is certainly something that that lingers and has a lot of weight be- beast is I like don't i don't know I a new
2: speci- gene in the human <laughs> genome that's about to turn off all humans and i was like i don't know like that seems like something that you're just like that felt like one of those more cynisms of like some huge idea they're just throwing out there that can't be followed up on <laughs> right unless... i
0: don't know if that if that's plays a role in this run i'd ha- i it's been okay. a while since i've read the whole thing so i okay but i mean certainly Certainly, sense.
2: I haven't seen that referenced much. The other thing I wanted to, I want to bring up. Well, we've got the Zorn annual, and we've got the U-Men. I think are the other two big like factors here. Um, We can talk about Zorn, although there's not. that I guess they're tied in together too because um, the U-Men are introduced in that Zorn thing. Zorn, we haven't read that much about. He is a mutant who had a black hole or or a sun uh, light in his skull. And uh, the Chinese government locked him up in a prison and kept him, like, entombed. And at the end of the, the annual, Cyclops talks him down from, like, letting his head implode into a black hole and destroying the Earth and, uh, and asks him to join the team. But we don't actually see him join the team in this run. I, I'm assuming we're going to get to see him later. Yes. Um, but the u men I think, are, like, a kind of a big interesting idea that they explore uh, at, at length here of humans who are interested in becoming like the next evolution of humanity by taking mutant parts and grafting them onto themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's interesting. I, I think I knew about this idea, and I, I approached it thinking it was going to be slightly different than it turned out to be. It's it's an idea that I really like, and then the execution of doesn't... I, I don't know. Um, we, we can talk about it. So the idea that humans are feeling left behind right um by like mutants maybe like that feeling of anxiety and then turning that into then embracing mutant dumb to almost then surpass mutants themselves like we've got the best of both worlds we'll become a new thing that's better than both i think is really fascinating it has like real world ties to like i kept thinking of get out uh, I was going
0: to say, as a student of horror who has yeah. seen that movie recently,
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's a similar idea. It is I, the, yeah. the thing, though, that is different about this, because I don't think it is just like they bring up it, the idea of like, you know, mutant cultures in and it's becoming trendy and popular. Right. Like mutant styles yeah. and they're becoming like fashion icons and, you know, pe- people are humans are emulating them. But then at the same time, it also seems to be it is not like necessarily just the rich and powerful taking and manipulating that it is like disaffected, alienated loners. So it kind of turns into like there's almost a um, like a vulnerable young like we literally have a school shooter who like kills his jock and like rants about being like into anime and comic books. Right? And it's like Because
0: he's trying to steal
2: his eyes for his mutant abilities. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like that yeah. that's that's a little different of an idea and those two ideas I, I, I haven't like completely squared them yet that like it's becoming a, a pop because if it's if mutant culture is becoming the dominant like a dominant pop culture, then like the idea that it's for like like a Jordan Peterson esque uh kind of well what's the word? Um you know, like young men, disaffected young men who are buying into kind of a hateful ideology, like men's rights. Well, I was going to say beta cucks. Yeah, right. They're they're getting. I mean, incel culture, men's rights culture, like MAGA culture stuff, like all that stuff that can really like prey on the alienation, specifically that young men can feel. Right. Uh, so it like kind of is tapping into that, but then at the same time, it is also saying like. It's becoming a big culture. So th- those those are two interesting ideas. I, I think they're slightly at odds with each other, um, but I uh, yeah.
1: I, I, I feel like the one that sticks. To, the one that sticks is more the first one because I yeah 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 yeah. There is that one school shooter, but I feel like that's the only iteration of that idea in the comic. Like most of it is focused on the like rich white billionaire uh, stealing kind of uh, music culture. To, they they bring up that there's been him. like
2: a few shootings and like they talk about how there's been like multiple isolated attacks and you know people are found with the the handbook in their hands um which i think is an interesting idea of feeling left behind by the world right these people feel left behind and they see mutants replacing them and their solution is to you know become them and overtake them using their own tools um yeah that's it. it's certainly like that's a really cool and interesting idea
0: i think the arc itself is messier I think you're. I I share. It's definitely one that I wasn't. I think coming off of ES for Extinction*, especially, you know, the first time I read it, it was kind of like, okay, this is a a downward slope. Plus, you lose quietly, quietly, right? You you Mm -hmm. now have different artists on here. Well, Um, can we call primarily the art as well as, yeah, yeah. Ethan Man Skyver does some of the art here. Um, Ethan Skyver has since gone on to (laughs) be become like the face of like the. what do you call it i mean really just comics kind of skate, the, worst, right? like, hateful, yeah, K, like the worst most I hateful yeah it's comic like the worst i mean wholeheartedly most embracing that term group. right like yeah yeah like the face of a, a group that really is is awful in the um in the world of comics so it's an artist that i think we can all i can speak for all of us what i say we we do not support or advocate in any way but uh, they're here he's tied the, to this run um
2: the biggest lo- like the biggest loser on youtube it's incredible like A man who will buy many, many copies of a female action figure from a Star Wars movie and then spend a 20-minute tirade about how, like, this character, this female character ruined Star Wars while cutting up the action figures. Like, some really deranged, uh, but also childlike and just upsetting stuff. Uh, Really the thing that really bothers me is the art's like not bad (laughs) i was like oh well hopefully they suck but no he does a good job he does a pretty good job here it's not frank quietly but it's uh it's decent um yeah
0: yeah well it's it's like if you've ever read the the green lantern run that he did with jeff johns it's a similar thing where it's like that run is really well regarded um that person has gone on to just make a complete ass of themselves and inspire similar behavior um (laughs) Sure. <laughs> speaking, yeah, really. of UN, speaking of the UN speaking of the UN and talks but Lionel uh, Francis U does
2: that um, does Ooh, the yeah. annual and is great I think the Lionel annual, Francis yeah. U again not quite quietly but uh, close close for me
0: in in megascope by the way this was a
2: yeah three the issue
0: yeah. lived attempt by Marvel to produce widescreen comics. Uh, so that was, like, you know, basically all double-page spreads, read them all horizontally, mm-hmm. uh, which reads way cooler in print, I think, than it does digitally. Yeah, I had but, to turn my tablet it,
2: sideways. You know, Didn't like that.
0: Not for me. Not for, me. Not for <laughs> me. Um, But yeah, and Igar Korty, I, I think, very similar Probably. to skyver in the sense of, like, I think the one thing they do help sell is kind of the grossness and and the ugliness of of some of the action and things here. Like, even, like, so, like, there's Emma and Scott get kidnapped by the U-Men during that story, and Emma gets her nose broken, and like she looks like she's been punched in the face. Like that is conveyed that, and she feels horrible about it. And she's like, "I look like a boxer," and she's furious. um, But like, it looks nasty in a way Mm -hmm. that I think uh, superhero comics often don't get to do. Um, But yeah, I don't know the U-Men thing. It's like it is. It's like okay, this is loaded with ideas, and it's not hard to follow so much as it is like it feels vaguely messy and kind of untapped as far as potential goes there's also Um, there's
2: a layer of like the men who are in it are also like in hermetically sealed suits and are afraid of like the tainted air outside which i think also further blurs like what morrison is quite getting at with this like yeah it's it's an interesting idea that kind of pulls in a few too many directions i think but it's not like it's not like miller
0: on ultimates or something where it's like so muddled that it's like well i actually have no idea what you're trying to yeah. say like right. you can yeah, yeah, you yeah. can pull and be like oh okay like you're doing the mutant metaphors get out um in your way you yeah we both like, had like that it's idea. not it's yeah. there yeah it's definitely noticeable um charlotte what else what else did you notice from from all these issues Thanks i think that the, the
1: human you. are interesting that like it's a twist on the usual like man versus mutant story which is usually as simple as like Man hates mutants, so man uh, builds robots to kill mutants. Like, that's, uh, that's uh, Bolivar Trask, that's Cameron Hodge. To, <laughs> sorry? To mut- I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> when you said robots, it just sounded like robots, and I thought that's really funny. Uh, robots. Just Get, out of, town, robots, Get sorry, out of town, Zach. I'm sorry. My anti-Francophile uh,
1: bias shows again. Jeez
0: <laughs>
2: Louise.
1: Um, I mean, Cassandra is that as well, because like... The version of this story that has instead Cameron Hodge is way more boring. Even like, <laughs> even if the destruction of uh, of uh, of Genosha has the same impact, but yeah. So yeah, the the humans are interesting on that level because even if they're still like humans going after mutants, it's more compli- complicated than like straight up they want to kill them because they want to kill them. Um, you know, what, yeah, it, it's interesting.
0: You know what you just called attention to for me, Charlotte, which. I'm only now just realizing this run thinking through it at all, like for the first I don't know 25 issues I don't think it's ever the X-Men versus a traditional X-Men villain. Like yeah. I, it's either mm-hmm. a new threat, um a new idea or internal fighting essentially. But I don't think with with one maybe kind of stretch that I won't mention because it's a spoiler. Like, none of it is... Like, there's no... They're fighting Magneto. There's no... They're fighting Sabretooth. There's no Apocalypse. Mr. Sinister. Like, none of that stuff happens. And that's... Yeah, it's actually kind of revolutionary. really
1: interested in the, in the human relationship with mutants. Yeah. And even, like... Even in the way it uses classic X-Men pure science fiction stuff. Like, the phoenix comes into play towards the end when Jean, like, pushes back against the, the intruders invading the school. And, like... She she gets all fired up and like there's a big phoenix shape behind her But like and it's probably teasing stuff with the phoenix uh, coming down the line, but like it's not the center Like the center is still the school being invaded, uh, which is which is really fun Um, Yeah, it's I mean yeah, I I really like that. It has that focus um, And and it feels refreshing from once again 90s comics, which is the the comparison that has to be made uh, in like. Because because those comics were very much up their own head uh, with uh, with like <laughs> their own X Men law and the mutant law, <laughs> you <I> know. <laughs> That's how we say it. That's how um, we
0: say it on a kid-friendly podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, we mentioned uh, before, like the the new costumes and like just the, the cool leather leather jacket stuff. Um, I think, like Morrison says in their, like Bible for X Men, that uh, they they Like, the classic superhero costumes look dumb. And, like, that's something that, with my perception as, like, a 2022 superhero comics fan, like, that opinion from the 2000s, I find, like, very outdated. But, like, I feel like they're right in that context. And, like, that's very much the the right decisions for that context. Um, And I think, like, what makes me think that especially is, is Scott. Because, like... Cyclops in the 90s looks like the cool leader of the team, and here, like, he's a weird gangly dog. like, he he doesn't look attractive at all, like, he's tall and thin, and, like, he looks kind of weird, and, like, Frank Greatly's art helps with that, because like, he, he re- very much, like, he doesn't draw beautiful like classically beautiful characters like they all, well, they all look kind of weird on on, on some level I, especially like the, the the male characters i i, um, I would agree and, like, yeah, yeah it's
2: except for wolverine oh, in that i think it's the second issue where they're in uh ecuador uh and wolverine comes yeah. out of the water holding like a, a sentinel that he's slash to pieces and that is a it is a thirsty shot for Wolverine he's like dripping oh, no, I re- I...
1: dripping wet and his shirt's half open and uh like but i think like the i'm not saying that the the leather jacket style like, does the same thing it does for Scott for everyone. But, like like you said, I really like that it makes Scott look like a dog and <laughs> makes Wolverine look incredibly hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this <laughs> is very the, funny the
2: Wolverine should be here. The comic's kind of horny for Wolverine and Emma, obviously. Oh, yeah. that, that design oh, for yeah. Emma. But,
0: but so is the audience, you know, yeah, like, they're, sure, sure. they're not um, the, wrong the, in that the, regard.
2: The thing about the, like, leather jackets moving away from superhero things is something I, I think I also would like somewhat balk at the idea that like comics can't be like superhero-y except that like this yeah. is not a not silly comic this is an ex- extremely silly comic booky comic right so like it doesn't feel like some kind of embarrassed reaction to older comics and being like well you know we have to grow up and that means getting rid of the the pajamas um and i also so, and it looks cool there's something so, to th- yeah, it works
1: yeah i also think there's something to the fact that them all having a except emma kind of even though like her style still fits in with the it's just leather, aesthetic yeah. like yeah they all have like that uniform kind of and like they less stand out on their own with like their own colors and and costume shapes um it helps keep the focus on them as like as the x-men team and not on like singular solo heroes that all have their whole own uh, adventure going on um, and, like, that's something that helps the, the comic feel very focused, in, once again, in the way uh, 90s X-Men comics didn't. I mean, didn't.
0: I, I think, too, like, the idea... Because when I read the the Morrison stuff there in the manifesto about, you know, like, their superhero costumes look dumb, or, or yeah. now, you know, I'm paraphrasing, that doesn't sound like Grant Morrison <laughs> that I know. You yeah. know, it, it'd be... I may mean, think 20-plus years later, like, that's not what we know about them. I mean, they famously have Batman... pop out of his own consciousness in a purple and yellow and red bat suit like they're not afraid of wild looking superhero costumes and of all of the incredibly critically acclaimed creators maybe love and have the least shame about superhero comics you Mm -hmm. know um and and kind of embarrassment like that's that's not who this creator is i think i think a lot of it is it's of the moment absolutely it is it is reflective of the movie um, and it's also, I think specific to X-Men, where it is like there's a thematic move away from superheroics. Part of that is you don't dress up in your own unique costume, you know. Um, and you know all of the individuals in the series, like as it progresses too, once Professor X comes out to the world as a mutant, they're ambassadors of mutant culture. Like they're not just superheroes, they're not the Avengers. They are the faces of global mutantdom. And you could make an argument that sort of a, I guess it's not business casual, <laughs> you know. in your all leather suit, but that different yeah. attire sort of suits a different status in the world. Frankly, yeah. Um, and and to both of your points, like they look cool. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I actually different. don't yeah. have a problem with that. Like when, because you're gonna get stuff here where okay, it's post Matrix and and post this movie, and Doc Ock starts wearing leather
2: stuff like that, and it's like all right, Doc Ock. Like I mean, Mark Mark Miller <laughs> like does. Who Ultimate do you think X-Men you are? And they wear mostly just, like, street clothes and leather there, and that feels more like a response to the, like, the older style of costumes, and a little bit more, like, wow, we gotta make them cool now, like, yeah. superheroes, least can't be dork
1: And they dork end stuff. up looking less cool than New I actually, up. I don't even right. hate it
2: in Mark Miller's thing, like, I think they look okay, but yes, they don't look cool like this, right? This is, like, well designed, yeah. and it's an intentional design instead of street clothes.
0: We do also um, get, yeah. uh, technically, the creation of jumbo carnation here and just the idea of mutant fashion is jumbo gonna come carnation is that what you Ooh, said where? i didn't see him jumbo carnation is the mutant fashion designer uh i don't i
2: don't think he's wait are you kidding I, I wasn't sure uh, if I that's in heard this you run correctly <laughs> is that a real thing
0: jumbo carnation is no joke oh, i googled that okay
2: yeah oh I just <laughs> okay i was like i misheard him and then i made i made the joke repeating those words because that was nonsense but apparently that's a real mutant. No, those, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's yep. the real name. They show um, up in. Although was it their new birth X-Men.
0: name? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. But you know what? You get a you get a mutant name. Oh, what's with the cuckoos? Decide.
2: Do we know? Have we met the cuckoos before?
0: The cuckoos are nope. new. They're new. Okay, they're right. new.
2: Because yeah. there's there's a degree of like, is this some X Men thing that I don't know, or is this introduced here and Morrison's just not like giving them a you know a more traditional introduction, which is fine. Like you you yeah, feel every
1: character here outside of the main team is new. I think okay. Which is super cool and domino in the annual, yeah. game. which is
0: I, super cool because yeah, creators don't yeah, usually I mean, do that. You know, yeah, like yeah. creators yeah, don't usually fun. come in and say, "Hey, take all my ideas." Yeah, you know? yeah, we
2: yeah, talked I'm... about that with Tynan on Batman, right? Uh, being like, just yeah. how creating. uncommon it is now. Yeah,
0: how uncommon it is to because it takes such confidence in your own creative capabilities, frankly, in your imagination to be like, "Yeah, sure. I'll throw th- I'll throw this one to the licensed IP. I'll throw <laughs> this one so they can yeah. use it in a movie in fifteen years and not credit me and pay
2: me five thousand dollars for." The, the multi-billion yeah. dollar movie, yeah. Yeah, like, it's yeah. a real flex. Has I, has Morrison stuff ever ended up in movies? Do you know any, like, direct, like, oh, that's a Morrison thing, like, in this movie? Hmm. I mean... It is definitely... Well, I mean, X-Men. I guess
0: I guess Doom Patrol on HBO is, is the sure, yeah, strongest. Yeah, yeah. Well, because
2: Marvel in the MCU, they only do X-Men. So, like, unless, you know, X-Men later in the MCU taps into this. I, but I don't know if any of the X-Men movies ever really get into... I think when Namor said,
0: I'm a mutant... That that felt a little Morrisony <laughs> to me. I felt like he'd been reading some Morrison, um, ah, Morrison stuff. Well, so, I mean, yeah, I guess in DC. Oh boy, oh boy. I mean, certainly none of the Batman stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's all. Um, like. All Star
2: Superman, you would think, but no, definitely. I mean, i up movies <laughs> a
1: lot, but like not in live
2: action. Yeah, right. Yeah, but those are like closer to direct adaptation. Direct, yeah,
0: direct comp. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question, Zach. I don't think a heck of a lot. I think some of that is, well, I think actually almost all that is, you know, there, there's a whole Grant Morrison DC universe mm-hmm. that they that they have shaped, and it is as comic booky as anything you can imagine. Um, you know what? Actually, maybe Morrison has influenced the most. Is maybe the thing that kind of is the least like them is like the Arkham Asylum uh, video game series.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Even though that's that's a very <laughs> That's, like, largely... It's, like, the tone of the Arkham Asylum comic, but, like, the actual, like, characters and story from the cartoon, right? Like, they're, uh, they're like, bit. much more, like, straightforward versions, like, slightly grown-up versions of the cartoon, but with a slightly darker aesthetic.
0: Hmm. Do you both like uh, Arkham Asylum? A Serious House on Serious Earth? I, I haven't
2: read did. it in a long time, like, 15, oh, 15 like years. I haven't
0: read it, yeah. I barely I, uh, it I had the weirdest experience reading that the first time. I was... Like, living alone in an apartment with a mattress it on the floor. It was too
2: freaking spooky for you. <laughs>
0: and it was super <laughs> late at night. And I, I think maybe I'd had too much caffeine that day. But, like, mm-hmm. I finished it and I was in bed. And I read the backup, like, message from Grant Morrison. And he was like, yeah, I, I stapled my eyelids. Or they were like, I stapled my eyelids open to write this. And I took mushrooms. And, and it, like... <laughs> I was like, that's how I feel. (laughs) That's (laughs) exactly what is happening to me. And I could not sleep. I was both spooked and excited and just completely transformed by this uh, (laughs) very famous, uh, incredibly uh, best-selling Arkham Asylum. Anyway, anyway, I like New X-Men more than than their Arkham Asylum, I think it's safe to say. Um, So we're going to keep
2: reading. To me, that like Morrison... Just does this for Marvel. And I know, like, they have a big DC career. There's plenty of Morrison out there. But, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a bummer, like, to me, that, you know, this is what we're going to read from them. They're going to finish X Men and then they're gone. And they do, like, four issues of a Fantastic Four mini,
1: which, which I don't like, know, we, barely counts. List? I mean, we'll read it, but it well, doesn't count I mean, in the way is. Don't forget about Scroll Kill Crew. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. The, where, where a <laughs> yeah, black who... man and a Nazi team up, uh, because <laughs> yep. they have a common enemy. <laughs> <laughs> what a comic.
0: What a comic. Uh, okay i have an idea if grant morrison said i'm gonna come back and do one marvel book what would you want it to be spider-man i think grant morrison spider-man just because i I mean i'm just
2: thinking that because it needs the most like this needs an absolute shot in the arm of something unlike anything that's been done right like Mm -hmm. spider-man just there's no way you're not
0: reading that there's no way you're not at least checking it
2: out yeah just curious like okay what direction is this going to go in um, sure. I don't know
1: if it's the best or the worst idea, but Inhumans. Oh,
2: Inhumans okay. seems like too much up their alley. Like Inhumans, I feel like I don't know.
1: I know, but like there's nothing else to do with them is the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're go. they're probably the characters that need him need them the most. Because my other idea was Eter- Eternals, but Eternals are, are in like such a good place right now. po post Kieran Gillen once again um yeah then, they like, just got revamped yeah i don't need morrison on them but i like, i kind of need them on inhumans like i need morrison would I lean mean, into the kirby inhumans but like alpha flight w- <laughs> the inhumans are literally nowhere since <laughs> alpha know, flight coming into this run right? ever
0: alpha f off uh morrison for me <laughs> morrison dr strange sure yeah. just go Ooh, hard yeah. up their alley and just yes. do See, it. See, that's that's I where that I'm that
2: like, I work. want them on something that is not just like already, I, I, you know. I want to challenge them. I don't want to just throw them. <laughs> <laughs> Great Lakes Avengers. <laughs> yeah, sure. We go. Great Lakes.
0: You know, I'm a little weary of Morrison trying to
2: be funny, like like trying hard to be funny. Oh at yeah, it still. We talked that about this before, but it doesn't. Th- there's jokes in here where I'm like, eh, okay, like th- their sense of humor, like uh be saying that they feel like a hindu sex god or uh all, all the like Emma Frost being like let's uh <laughs> let, let's do like the apple's iCloud leak on celebrities but you know 5 or 10 years earlier uh let's mm-hmm. let's like mess with them sexually like with her teenage students um all all that stuff does not particularly work for me well
0: also making all the protesters have simultaneous orgasms yeah 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 that
2: I don't know. I'm not sure what it is, because this is what I was saying off mic before. Like, there's a little Ennis in Morrison. Like, they they have that, like, those jokes. Or is there a little Morrison in Ennis? Yeah. Ennis could use a little bit more Morrison. Um, There's, yeah, there's that, like, slightly, like, crude um, and, like, a little mean-edged comedy, but it usually doesn't land. For me here i, I don't remember know
0: grant morrison did tutor and collaborate with mark miller for like a decade
2: <laughs> i know that's one of the that's like, such a wild fact um that the two of them are like uh, contemporaries and yeah you know, worked worked together for a bunch
0: it is definitely an interesting i mean you know you have morrison revamping x-men you have miller revamping x-men <laughs> and the ultimate universe all the stuff's happening at the exact same time um that doesn't feel like an accident uh, okay, there was one thing I wanted to say in response to that, Zach. Oh, just like, so the characterization. Like, I, I feel like, so Emma obviously gets gets a real fresh sort of characterization. Beast stood out to me, definitely in the first read-through, in terms of, like, the, the he's going through a secondary evolution. Um, he looks like a cat now. Sometimes he acts like a cat. But he's also, like, I feel like he's kind of the heart and voice of these first several comics in a way that I found pretty charming still uh what what do you both think do you like this beast i i tend to like this beast a
1: lot i really really like this beast he's he's very fun like he's the only one of the main team that is go that is going through that like mutants being perceived as like i mean literally like beasts like uh, like monsters and looking inhuman like he's the only one of the main crew that is going through that like it's i think it's, it's it's really well done and um the the last panel we i mean the, the literally last last page we we read uh, in this batch is like him holding the the body of uh, of Cassandra Nova but like with uh, Xavier's uh, mind in, in, inside mm. and like he looks like so sad like it was it's a really heartbreaking uh, page to me like it was yeah. really really well uh, well drawn, like his little, little sad sad cat eyes, and I know, I think the like more animal animal like um, look for Beast is like very good for this version of Beast that is less bouncy, fun bouncy Beast and more like philosophical. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah. I think he's yeah. he's he's really good here. Yeah, that the
2: design's great. Like that design is incredible, yeah. and and I I like the slightly less wisecracking, but then. Again, about the sense of humor, Morrison uses Beast a lot for comedy here. And it's often, it kind of doesn't land for me. But I, I, I like the I, I tend to like Beast
0: comedy Beast. in this book, I will say. Yeah, okay. um, I think it's it's not, you know, when I'm saying Morrison, you know, it makes me worry about overly heavy-handed comedy. I'm talking about a book that's like straight comedy. I think New X-Men is not that at all. So to integrate humor into it through a character
1: like Beast, that works
0: well yeah. for yeah.
1: me. And, and they use them, they use him for, for comedy so at some moments but they also like also use him for the m- darkest moments of the book or like the saddest moments for the b- in the book yeah. like um cassandra nova m- forcing beak to like to beat him and like like almost kill him um and like be big tearing up uh, because he's forced to do yeah, that to sad. the professor that is helping him the most and like he really respects and loves yeah like that's that's a very horrifying moment that was really well done. Like, there's a tragedy at the center of this version of Beast that is really, really good.
2: Cassandra Nova makes Beast, like, walk towards a big sandbox and is going to make him, like, go to the bathroom in a litter box. It was unclear to me if Beast actually had a litter box there already. Like, there was a big tech-looking litter box. Like, a a a, box... container of sand i don't <laughs> i don't remember
0: if it's explained why it's there to begin with
2: like she, she yeah. she's just like oh you have a litter box eh? like and says it as if it's there and i was like he does there's a whole big thing of sand right there I, like what, what i mean in my that? experience
0: doing work in the lab we yeah. do tend to keep a sandbox for relaxation you know just a little mm-hmm. playtime in between like rat science you know te-
2: te- teens these days i've heard they're all pooping in litter boxes
0: that sounds like something the TikTok teens would do, for sure.
2: No, Gosh, have you heard TikTok about this? Teens... This is some, like, right-wing uh, conspiracy that, like, classrooms are all full of, like, litter boxes for kids who identify Zach. as furries. It's, it's some...
0: Can nonsense. we can we please just have a joke and let it be improv and not some horrible
1: right-wing conspiracy?
2: <laughs> can we well, I wasn't sure if you were aware, and then, you know, you were feeding the conspiracies, Dave, with your ignorance... As usual, <laughs> <laughs> as I
0: always am, as I often do. Yeah, it's, my it's, ignorance uh, once again sparks a, a conspiracy. It's a shame our audience is as large as it is to fuel these things, <laughs> and um, and as susceptible to
2: conspiracy <laughs> as they are. We do
0: have it, our audience is
2: concerned. They believe anything I say. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's why they keep going to patreon.com. <laughs> First little one dollar a month. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, but that is the thing you can do. Now, I do want to just kind of say here at the end uh, for new X-Men, this is a read it all run. Okay. Uh, if you enjoy this, if you like X-Men, if you like important comics in the Marvel Comics universe, this is a read it all run. See how you feel about it. We are not going to read it all. Officially, Ugh. as part of the club, because the episodes would be preposterous and the reading assignments would be too difficult. Okay. Right. Um, I'm going to so, read what's
2: on the list and then in like 2025, <laughs> I'll come back and finish <laughs> the whole run. You joke, but this is
0: exactly <laughs> what you do. No, um, no, no. Yeah. So this is a read it all run. I don't want to hear anybody. I don't want to hear anybody ever say, I didn't know. I didn't know I should have read it all. Okay. I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, I, you know, I feel like I'm missing some, some info. Um, you know this, this run feels a little, little fast. Like things aren't making sense. I don't want to
2: hear it. I don't want to hear it. Unless Are you're you talking to me now? Is this just to me? <laughs> I feel like you're speaking directly to me. I'm
0: generally passive aggressively talking to you, <laughs> even while I'm actively talking to you. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I think it it becomes really difficult actually to break this run into like sure, small yeah. chunks.
2: Like it really feeds. I mean, if we had skipped any on one itself, episode or issue here you would have been like, uh, okay, what's going on? Like, it's it's very dependent I know. on the last. I
0: know. So I'm... We've already locked in 2002. We're going to finish the Cassandra Nova saga um, because, it, you know, we started it, and I feel like we should. I actually think the back half of the year is probably more interesting, and that's the part we're going to leave out. <laughs> so, like, read it all. That's all I'm saying. If you like it, read it all.
2: All right. Can I point out, 2001, where this is the beginning of 2001, great year, and with, like maybe one exception it feels like and we've been saying this a lot but this really feels like the beginning of like we are in modern comics these are all modern creators like yes modern seeming comics. so we've got next episode we've got ecstatics uh the peter milligan mike allred stuff starting in x-force which i'm really excited mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. uh exiles which i don't know what that is but dave says one of his favorite marvel comics from this era in the spreadsheet Mm-hmm uh Mm -hmm. brian michael bendis's daredevil is starting up we've got dan jurgens thor you got kurt busak's avengers which is the only like kind of throwback feeling thing i see but But it's the king
0: dynasty and that's been referenced in the mcu now so gotta do it
2: Mm -hmm. and then j michael straczynski and john Romita jr's spider-man which i'm also pretty psyched about um all like very like modern feeling runs so it's uh yeah it's an exciting time i'm i'm so jazzed for ecstatics i've been like, about equally as excited for that as I have been more since X-Men, so. I hear you. I hear you. Any final thoughts?
1: Um, I'm, question for you, Dave, because you're the only one who has read all of it, does, because this comic is very centered on, like, a small group of uh, of X-Men and, like, letting go of a lot of the main casts of the, the 90s X-Men. I, I'm guessing some characters come, come back and, like, have, have stories, but, like, I guess part of me, despite everything, was, like, I want, what, what Storms do? What's Storm doing? Where, where, where is she? Why where, where isn't she here? I want, I want Storm here. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and like, that's true for other characters as well, but, I don't know, especially Storm, I guess?
0: Well, I mean, I think the answer to your question is there are other X-Men comics that do continue during this time, you know? So, Extreme X-Men, which is Chris Claremont returning oh, yeah. for a run. Um, cool. We're going to read the first issue of that just to see, like, what the kickoff looks like. But, you know, Claremont takes Storm. Um as part of that team, yeah. you know, Bishop, uh, some other characters. You also have the very I guess at least thematically linked Joe Casey written Uncanny X-Men Poptopia era is kind of during this time uh where, you know, you have other players on that Uncanny X-Men team. Um none of those runs are as frequently referenced certainly as as Morrison's New X-Men at this point in time. They also rarely overlap in any significant capacity, they are not yeah, intersected. It's really
1: weird to have those going at the same time. Like, it's weird to imagine that those were two comics, or like, three comics that were on the shelves at the same time. Like, they don't match together at all. Yeah. At least from what you're describing.
0: Uncanny X-Men will kind of, it'll be like, okay, X-Core is a thing, and we have global things, and, you know, like, you know, like, development in Mutant Town plays a big role, in like, X-Factor once that launches. And, you know, so there's, there's ways that it, has an immediate impact but it's act- like the morrison influence is and we can talk about this as it goes but it's like it's it's heavily kind of thematically ignored until like 2010 or 11 yeah i've heard um, that, and then it's it yeah, replaces a ton.
2: morrison right
0: uh not exactly but like we joss whedon and john cassidy come in with astonishing x-men in 2004 so it's basically like as morrison's out the door a new flagship launches and does its own thing I, i've um, heard like
2: the reputation of that is that then joss whedon comes in and immediately just ignores everything morrison did oh see now that's i would say that's actually pretty explicitly
0: not true um i mean i I don't people are just lying well it's kind of a spoiler to say exactly how uh but i mean whedon uses some morrison stuff uh it's definitely i mean i think reputation wise it's like astonishing x-men is the classic we're a superhero back to basics x-men book Mm -hmm. whereas new x-men is deliberately the opposite of that i'm a big astonishing x-men defender uh when we get there people seem to like it that book is incredibly well regarded and and beloved by like the the average fan if you will and then there's kind of been like a sort of a snooty critical like oh no it stinks i think i think a lot of part of it is definitely driven by like it's not super cool to like child sweden right now (laughs) i don't know if you noticed (laughs) um that that doesn't help uh but i i love that run getting into comics like i don't i don't know if you know, I haven't read it
2: since. But, I, I um, see it recommended it a lot. lot it's like, I want to get into X-Men. Where should I start? And that gets recommended
1: a ton.
0: Yeah. It would be hard to do worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I phrase that correctly, but no, that's great. Nope, I, I was, was going to say, it would be <laughs> hard yep, to do worse. Phrase that exactly. Worse. <laughs> 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 phrased that completely wrong. Okay, cool. So we're going to have a lot more to say, obviously, about about this run as we go. Like Zach just said, we've got a lot of great comics coming up. You can find what's we're reading next in the show notes. Uh, and again, of course, you can go to patreon.com slash for ways to figure out all of the rest of what's going on here with the Marmol this
2: year club. Dave, can I pitch Dave. Uh, just a little side project Charlotte and I have going? Another uh, side project? Yeah, another podcast. It's called Extra Issues. Charlotte and I wow. are doing it on the side. Sorry, Dave, you don't know about this. Charlotte and I are starting a rival <laughs> we said no. We said no solo projects. We said no new bands. Yeah. And well, <laughs> here you are. <laughs> we will be coming for uh, a hostile takeover. I've been watching a lot of Succession. We're going to do a bear hug on Comic Book Herald. Oh, uh, no. I think is what it's
1: called. I'm um, so yeah, bad at We're really the, the candle rise of the coming book criticism. <laughs> <laughs> My five-year-old is not
0: ready to take over the company. Please do not make me <laughs> Alright.
2: So we're, uh, Charlotte and I are doing extra issues. It's right now. It's just on the Patreon. Uh, six months early access. We'll, I think by the time this episode come, comes out, we'll have three episodes out. We just covered Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt, the Kieran Gillen comic from 2019, which uh, really proud of that episode. We had the letterer of that comic, Hassan. Oates Main Elhow on the uh, the episode, so very uh, very excited for people to hear that. And uh, Charlotte and I are both like really happy with how this podcast is going. I, I yeah. really hope we get uh, more listeners on it because I I think it's um, some of our best work. So please go. Yeah, get I feel list. like oh, like releasing
0: good. them to the public will probably help. Yep. yep you know, for as sure. far as like listenership. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, we also will
2: have. Uh, David Busing, I think, I have written down here as a guest star soon, uh, covering Alan Moore's Miracle Man. That'll you be, uh, landed
0: the Busemeister? The, the, the David Buse dog busing? himself? <laughs> you got the voicing? David busing.
1: I, incredible. <laughs> what are you,
0: what's he going to talk about?
2: Alan Moore's Miracle Man.
0: Now, now, surely you mean the original writer's Miracle Man.
2: Yes, I do mean the original writer's Miracle Man. I've been really debating... Okay buying the, the omnibus site unseen on that one uh zach i've got it
0: one. i've got it sitting on my chair just wait wow, when wow. are we recording that by the way we should probably talk about that oh we want to
2: schedule that right now let's wrap yeah, up let's the do episode first I <laughs> let's <laughs> just love that. Sometime, sometime in january we're
0: recording it for
2: a february 1st release
0: <laughs> sometime in january okay yep. cool 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 okay. Okay. that's zach. extra issues check it out this has been a pleasure thanks to both of you for joining today I enjoyed talking X-Men with you. Thanks to the listener for joining us as well.
1: Singular listener. (laughs) Hopefully there's more than one. Thanks, Mom. original listener. see you next year. See you next year. See you next year. (laughs) The original listener.